Good morning. Well, isn't that amazing, eh? Uh, don't you love it when God gives somebody like Claire a dream about a lion and a lamb? Uh, I had no idea of anything about a lion and a lamb until we sung that song. But God knew, because time is not an issue to God. Great. Thanks, Pippa, as well, for sharing. You're dead right. Our nation needs Jesus and needs his church, eh? That's how it is. Absolutely wonderful. Okay, just a couple of things before I get on this morning. Just to say, I know this will be hard to believe, but I am 50 on the 18th of October. And we're having an open house on the Saturday the 19th. You're all welcome. I hope you will have got an email. If you didn't, then let me know, just so that we know how many uh, cakes and scones and drinks and whatever else to buy. Uh, so please do let me know. And also, thank you for those of you who prayed for me while I was away a couple of weeks ago in Malaga at the Church Planters Conference. I, I honestly never saw or set foot on a beach. That is the honest truth. Um, but I did spend a lot of time with people who are church planting, uh, like Josie and uh, a team from Berlin, uh, the folks from Paris, a number of individuals, uh, younger and older, who were looking at maybe going and being involved in church planting. Uh, it was great to be together, to be with a group of people who are really focusing on church planting in Europe. Here's a couple of stats for you. Do you know that there is a new church being planted in France every 10 days? From the reaction, I assume you didn't. How about this? There's a new church being planted in Spain every five days. So you drive to some of these places, you see this big old cathedral that no one goes in apart from tourists, no one there on a Sunday, and people say, God is dead. Go down the road, round the corner, da-da-da, there's 200 people meeting to worship Jesus. So that was good. This morning's going to be a little bit different because we're primarily looking at some prophetic words that we've been given as a church and ways that we are going to respond to it. I remember the last time I did a talk like this, I said on the Monday morning, I think I said something like, oh, I really find these talks difficult to give, and yes, not normally, we normally get out of the Bible and get around, I find this difficult, and the guys all said to me, just don't say that, just crack on with it. So this morning, I'm not going to say it. I'm not going to say it, I'm just reminding you of the time before, and some things, times, in some areas of my life, like God, I'm the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, so you can work out for yourself what. But... Um, uh, I put in some Bible verses just to make it a legal preach, as it were. Uh, if you're a visitor, we normally grab a chunk of the Bible or different chunks of the Bible and explain them slightly different this morning. I pray God is going to bless you. I've come up with a title, The Church is God's Family on God's Mission in God's Power. The Church is God's Family on God's Mission in God's Power, which really acts kind of a bit like a, an umbrella, an archway to what I want to say because really, the who, right, is the family. We're God's family. That's the who. The mission is about the what. So what do we do? It's mission. And the how is in the power of God. It's in the power of God. It's in the power of God. If you and I really think we can do anything meaningful for the kingdom of God, we're just deluded in our own power and strength. Everything gets done in the power of God. And so I want to share some prophetic words under that second point. But that's not where I want to start. Because before we look at what we believe God is saying, I think we have to just reflect on who God is saying it to. You see, God never speaks into a void. God speaks to people. It's prophecy. God's speaking to people. God has an intended audience when he speaks. 
And he wants that in, it, it, audience to respond in some way. And now God is most often speaking to his people, speaking to his church, because by definition, we are the ones who are listening and obeying him. We are the ones who are listening. The world isn't listening to God. The world certainly isn't obeying God. But we are those who are listening and wanting to obey God. And so when God speaks, he speaks to his church. So I want to start with the church and remind ourselves that the church is God's family. Okay, here's my first uh, Bible verse for you, 1 Peter 2, 4 to 5, 9 to 10. As, I, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also are living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people... But now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Amen? It's a great verse, isn't it? It tells us who we are. Who we are. You were not a people. Now you are the people of God. You had not received God's mercy. Now you receive God's mercy. And that that you might declare his praises. This is who we are. We are all adopted children by the same father. God is our father. Therefore, you and I are brothers and sisters. Whether you like it or not, if you're a Christian here today, I am your brother. Tough. We're all saved by Jesus. None of us deserved it. None of us deserved it. None of us were good enough. Out of his mercy and his love, he saved me and he saved you if you're a Christian here. So we're brothers and sisters, we're equal. We're equal in each other's eyes because none of us deserve to be saved. Right, we don't go to church, we are the church. We gather once a week on a Sunday and we gather throughout the week in lots of different places and sizes, some of them organized, some of them spontaneous, some formal, some informal. One day last week down at the office, I walked down the corridor and there were various mums with various babies and various kids meeting and doing I don't know what, but that was the church. They were meeting and sharing lives. I thought, that's great, but I didn't have a baby. I couldn't really go in. I made a cup of coffee. That's all I could do, really. But that's the church, being church. We're not trying to become God's family. Rather, we are now trying to work out our lives now that God has placed us into his family. And so our heart and our attitude to each other, our view, our understanding of the church always starts with us being who we are, which is God's family. And I know you know this, but I think there's no harm in reminding ourselves. Because before we talk about mission, which is what we're to do, we must remind ourselves who we are. Because I think it's very easy to start thinking not quite right about this. And if we start to think not quite right about this, we will start acting not quite right about it. And that will start to affect our mission. Do do you get that? We start a Freedom in Christ course. One thing that people are going to learn on the Freedom in Christ course is that if you don't think right, you won't act right. That's how it is. And as this is a Sunday morning gathering, I thought I'd talk a little bit about Sunday morning gatherings because this is where we are. This is the setting. 
Because I think it's very easy, very easy to start to think and act not quite right in relation to Sunday mornings and our time together. Let me use the analogy that I think you'll all understand of some extended family gathering. Maybe it's a 50th birthday. Maybe it's someone's wedding and you know anniversary and the family gathers the extended family and whoever gets to host it has been preparing all morning cooking too many potatoes wondering how they're going to get that piece of meat into the oven and everything else have we got enough chairs you know people sitting up and down tables you you, you got the picture haven't you it's that family gathering and there's mum and there's dad and there's brother and sister and there's auntie this and uncle that and somebody over there who's a friend of the family not really an uncle but we call them an uncle because we've known them forever and ever you know um, this is the kind of thing isn't it and and for a few hours this extended family get together and they sit and they eat and they drink and someone probably drinks a bit too much but that's all right because we're kind of family together and there are moments when when it's quiet and one person is talking with them they're addressing the family speech speech say something all that and then there are other moments when everyone around the table is just sat talking to the person next to them and etc etc and all the different Members of the family get to connect with different members of the family and they laugh and they, you know, update and whatever, whatever. But just imagine, we've all had that, haven't we? Well, Tim and Carrie have, so that's good. <laughs> but just imagine the same, same context, same dinner party. But somebody from the family just comes late. They just come. Come late, come with no acknowledgement, no apology. Everybody else has kind of waited, but they couldn't wait any longer. So the food's a bit dry because it's been slightly overcooked because they've been waiting, but they didn't come. They didn't want to start without them, but they had to in the end. And then that same family member who comes in, just comes in, plonks down, fills up their plate, nom, 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 starts to eat, nom, 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 start, doesn't talk to anybody, doesn't acknowledge anybody else, just eat, 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 more, 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 more. Finishes, oh, grabs the pudding, eats the pudding, gets up, walks out, goes. They seem to have missed the idea that the gathering wasn't about eating food, but it was about being together. It was about relating, it was about catching up, it was about talking. That's what it was for. It was about being family together and taking time out of everything else in life to do that. And I think unless we're careful, we can start to think not quite like that about Sunday mornings. And we, it can cause us to start to maybe act like that person at the family dinner a bit. We can rush in late. We can rush out late in our busy lives. We come straight in. We don't really have time to fellowship, to talk with anybody, even to give time for those things to happen. See, when we gather as a church Sunday by Sunday, we're gathering to Dad. God is here. If you don't believe God is here, why would he give Claire a dream about a lion and a lamb and then tell me to say something about a lion and a lamb? I mean, who works that out? I didn't phone up Claire and say, have a dream. <laughs> I didn't. As God is my witness, I didn't. What does it mean? It means Dad's here. God is here. We're here to meet with one another. We're here to meet with Jesus. We're here to hear what he wants to say. He may even want to speak through you to someone else. Someone else might even speak to you on behalf of Jesus while you're here. Maybe something shared up the front. Maybe just one-to-one as you're talking. So I think it's key that we keep thinking right about church, about our Sunday morning 
gatherings. Because I think it's easy to, to, to get a wrong mindset about them. See, it's not a duty. It's definitely not a religious service. This is not a religious service. Please, God, keep us from it being a religious service. I am not a paid professional that's paid to stand up here and, and do stuff religious. I went to one of those when I was a kid at the age of seven. It put me off church for life. It's not. It's not what we're about. But I think that if our gatherings on a Sunday morning doesn't retain that fact that we're coming as family together to meet with one another and to meet with God and wow, who knows what God might just do and who knows how God might use me, the danger is we can end up having a religious service. Do you get that? A few years ago, God impressed on me this kind of statement, which I think helps me. He spoke about be there, be there on time, be there to worship Jesus. Be there, I remember, because it's about, it's so easy to buy the lie that it doesn't make any difference whether I'm there or not. But when we remember and understand, no, no, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to fellowship with my brothers and sisters. I'm going to hear what God wants to say. I'm going to be involved with what God wants to do that morning and in my life and through us. Yet the devil tells us the lie. It doesn't matter whether you're there or not. No one will notice. No one will miss you. Anybody heard that? No one will miss you. It's the devil. Who else would be saying it? God isn't going to. Be there on time. It's funny, this one, because this is a corporate moment. It's something done together. It's about us coming as individuals, but expressing something of our community, our togetherness as those who are saved. It's not so much about being great timekeepers. It's about understanding that in this age of individualism, which leads to loads of loneliness, which is why we have loads of loneliness, because we live in an age of individualism, that can creep into the church. And this is one way that I think it starts to creep in. Well, we can just kind of come when we want, go when we... It doesn't really matter. No, 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 it matters. It matters, because this is a corporate act. I don't know about you, we don't do that many corporate acts these days. There are, there's less understanding about community. But you know, we are the people of God, and when we come to worship God, we come to worship God together. And so it matters. And we come to worship Jesus because he's our common denominator. He's the one who saved us. We're not coming to worship because it makes us feel good or to sing a few songs. We're coming to say, Jesus, thank you that you created the world, that you died on the cross for me, and then you did an amazing thing, as if those two things weren't amazing enough. You opened my eyes to the reality of that. And if you hadn't done that, I would not be saved. And we're coming, because not only that, but one day, we're going to be with you forever in the place prepared by you. I'm very sad that Chris Neal passed away a couple of weeks ago. I'm going to be very sad, in one sense, on Monday week, when we're at his funeral. I am. This part of me is going to be very sad. But there's also another part of me that says, oh, praise God, because I know where Chris is. If Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you're with me in paradise, that is where Chris Neal is right now. So there will be a sadness, because I miss him, and he was my mate. But he's there with Jesus, which is where I'm going to be one day. So he's gone on ahead. God bless him. This is what we worship God for. So church, I want to 
If you want to make a change, I want to set you a challenge in terms of this. I want to set you a challenge. You can take it up or not. It's up to you. Why don't you come 15 minutes early and make sure you stay 15 minutes afterwards? If you come early, you'll be here ready for worship. If you come early, you could say hi to the setup team and the worship team who have been here from half past eight. You could say hello to anybody else who's here. You could say hi to any visitors who have never maybe set foot in this building. You don't just sit quietly in your chair. You could come early and fellowship. Don't rush off at the end. Grab a coffee. Say hi. Maybe God will give you something that will encourage someone else. I know it's tricky for some people who work shifts. I know it's tricky maybe if you've got young babies, but most of us are not shift workers. Most of us don't have babies. In a minute, we're going to hear some of the things we believe God's saying to us as a church. But you know, one response we can do is to make sure we are thinking right about church as family, thinking right about why we gather on a Sunday, thinking right about why we're here, what it is that we are coming together for. And sometimes we need to do deliberate things to help us to think right. Are you with me? Sometimes we need to do some things to help us to think right. See, good intentions without an action is just a daydream. It's just a daydream. Oh, I'd like to do that. Oh, I'd like to do but we never do anything. So let me chuck it out there. I know that Sunday mornings are not the totality of what our church is, but I do think it's a key part of our time together. And just helping us think right and act right is important. The devil loves to get us down any dead end and cul-de-sac he can. He doesn't care where we think wrong as long as we think wrong and then we'll end up acting wrong. If he can persuade you that it doesn't matter whether you're here or not, job done. If he can persuade you, it doesn't matter whenever you come, whether you're early, whether you're late, whether you stay, whether you go, whether you fellowship or not, God done. If he can persuade you, you have no part in giving or receiving blessings from your brothers and sisters, job done. I'm not fighting for bigger attendances on a Sunday morning. I'm contending for us being a church family that thinks right and acts right. A Christian visitor came a few weeks ago. There was many things I think they liked about the church. There was one thing that shocked them in not a good way. It was the total number of people that were here at 10.30 as opposed to the total number of people that were here that morning. It shocked them. Shocked them. So there's a challenge. Come early. Come 15 minutes early. Fellowship. Stay at the end. Fellowship. Let's change this area of church culture. You know, the only way you can make a change to culture is if everyone makes a small change. And then if you do that, we change completely. Does everybody get that? I think small changes by us in the hands of a big God can lead to massive things. I honestly do. So first point, church is God's family. We need to, him to help us, to teach us. Think right, act right as part of his family. And that includes our time together on a Sunday morning. Okay, can I move on to the second point? I'm boring myself. Okay, God's mission. Romans 1, 11 to 12, I long to see you, Paul says, so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. That is, you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. That's Romans 1, start of the letter to the Romans. The letter to the Romans is then the most, one of the most amazing doctrinal statements of truth ever. It's up there with Ephesians and other, you know. Then he says at the end of the letter, and since I've been longing for many years to visit you, I plan to do so when I go to Spain. Hope to see you while passing through and to have you assist me on my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. Now, however, I'm on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the Lord's people there because he'd just taken up an offering from another church to give to that church. I love this verse because you get this sense that 
Paul's writing and saying, I long to be with you, church. I want to encourage you and you encourage me. I want to impart some spiritual gift. Uh, There's a real sense of church family here, but actually it's in the context of mission. I'm going to come to you uh, and then you're going to send me on. And I can't come now because actually I've just been over there and I need to take what they've given me over there to that church kind of over there. There is this whole sense, you read the New Testament, of mission. I want to talk about God's mission because this is what we do. As a church, we have not been called to focus everything on ourselves. In fact, if you're saved here this morning, then we are proof that God's church is not simply to focus on itself. Our salvation is proof that God has a church that is reaching out on mission. Because someone prayed for you. Someone shared the gospel with you. We are to be his representatives, his ambassadors to this unbelieving world, to remember the poor, to bring God's justice, to share the gospel through word and deed that others might believe. Again, I know you know this, but I want to remind you. And because it's God's mission, it's important that we as a local church listen to him. We get involved with the things he wants us to. There's all manner of great things we could get involved in, but we have to listen to what God wants us to do. And as elders, we take very seriously when people give us prophetic words, when they pray and feel God saying something to us. We talk about them, we weigh them, we share them, we don't rush into responding. And I want to share with you this morning two lots of prophetic words that we had last term and how we're responding to them. The first came one Sunday morning, one after another, from Jenny, from Claudine, and from Joe. And they're summarized in your notes. I hope I get them right. Jenny came up and spoke about don't lose heart even if promises seem slow in coming. And she had this picture of a scoutmaster cutting and giving pieces of rope and saying, be prepared. And I was a boy scout, so I understand what this means. Be prepared. She said that this healing anointing has been promised and that it's here. It's not in other places. And she had a picture of a child on the first day of school needing to grow into a uniform. And with the new year seven starting at Oxted School, I see little year sevens with these massive gray uniforms and bags, and they do need to grow into them. And she says, look, as you exercise and practice your faith and spiritual gifts, so you will grow into that anointing. And then Claudine came up and said, as Jenny shared, she saw a picture of people streaming into the church. She said, but they look and behave very differently to us. They're in real need, addicts, homeless, ex-prisoners. Will make us feel uncomfortable and calling us to be prepared. God's calling us to be prepared, to be more generous with time, money, possessions, softer, kinder, more loving hearts. And then Joe Clark came up and said, as those pictures were shared, she thought Satan won't like this and he will attack our unity. I'm sure somebody mentioned something about unity this morning. She had a picture of Roman shields in that kind of tortoise formation where the kind of shield bearers stand strong, lock shields along the sides and over the top, protecting the vulnerable ones who are crouching under the shield. So this term, we're going to do a preaching series entitled Be Prepared. This is the first one. I know it says there not to lose heart when the promises seem slow, but I'm not quite doing that one. But the other ones we will kind of do. And what we've done is picked out some of those key things from those prophetic words, growing in God's anointing, loving others who are different from us, love others with our time, money, possessions, softer, kinder, more loving hearts, standing strong, protecting our unity, standing strong, 
protecting the vulnerable. So I just want you to see, God brought those prophetic words, and we want to respond with what and how we're preaching throughout this term. The second prophetic word, and it's again written in your notes, is one from a guy called Martin Jusen. Now, Martin is a New Frontiers leader from another sphere. The only person who we think know him in the church is Quincy. He did some training with Quincy a number of years ago, four or five years ago, I think. And they hadn't had any contact, basically, for those last number of years. And then suddenly, this guy phones Quincy up and says, I've had a prophetic word for you as a church. Here it is. So that got our attention. And after reading it and praying it, we felt this was from God. Because there were a number of things that were spot on. And there were also a number of things that we as elders had been given prophetically by different people in the previous months. And in a way, this word seemed to summarize and confirm what God had been saying to us. So you must get the point. It wasn't like this prophetic word came from in out of the blue. But a number of people in different settings had said to us different things. You've stayed too long on this mountain. You need to stretch out. You, you need to reach out. You need to do this. You need to do that. So we as an eldership, we're praying, God, you seem to be giving us these prophetic words. Please, would you confirm them? And would you help us to grasp what you're saying? And then literally this guy from kind of out of the blue phones Quincy up and says, hey, it's Martin, I've got a prophetic word for you. Here it is. And point after point, it seemed to summarize and confirm what God had been saying to us. Well, I think it's wow. I know where nobody else does, but this still does it for me. Because it proves to me that there's a God in heaven that still speaks. That's why I love the fact that he gave Claire a dream. Why did he give Claire a dream? He's a God in heaven who still speaks. He never contradicts his word, but he does speak into the current situation. So this kind of thing that excites me might just be me. We're going to just go through it in a minute. So let's read it. I'll read it out to you. We've got time just. He said, this is a prophetic word for you. This is a transitional time you're going through. And this last season, it's felt like you've been pushing through mud, which it has sometimes. Just plodding along, not seeing a lot of breakthrough. The Lord wants to release you into a spacious place. And I believe this is part of what the Lord wants to do in your church. I'd love to be in a spacious place, wouldn't you? I like spacious places. They're better than mud. God is calling your church leadership into the apostolic. You're no longer to be focused pastorally and on teaching, but now's the time for the apostles and the prophets. For you to be as a church facilitating the presence of God, preaching on the kingdom, looking to take new ground. The guy had no idea we were in new ground. Plant out and do different things. This is what the Lord is to release upon you in this next season. There's a quickening and a haste about it. A kairos moment is coming. We did a leadership thing last year that was all based around this thing called kairos, Greek word for time. I've only ever seen it used twice. That training and this prophetic word. Almost as if things that have taken you years to do before will now be done in months by God. God wants to prepare your church. I feel the Lord saying, as you build a net, I will fill it. And the, net, and the bigger the net, the bigger the catch. I also feel the story of Nehemiah is relevant here. Nehemiah had some things on his heart. He came before the king. The king released him into his destiny. And he was a building prophet and a cupbearer as well. He lived a life of honor and God completely released him to do the one thing. But as a church leadership team, right now you're feeling the transition. That they're feeling the heart and the hunger for more of the presence of God. More of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And to see the fruit of the Spirit. I believe this is your church's next season. And as part of that, there will be churches that will be coming to your church for apostolic advice and input. 
This means strategically to be putting on training schools and conferences to fulfill everything that God's going to be doing over the next five years. There's a time of taking new ground, a time of partnerships, a time for the elders to transition and feel the release of the transition, not be concerned about the perspectives of people, but to see things from heaven's perspective and to go forward in everything God has called you to. I've read it fast, but you have it. You can read it and pray through it in your own time. Let me just highlight some things that we felt particularly important and that we're looking at doing. This list is not exhaustive. Even at the leaders' meeting on Tuesday, someone very helpfully said, you know that bit there that you're going to do that, could that also mean this, that, and that? And we said, yeah, it could mean this, that, and that. We'll have to think and pray about that. So this is not an exhaustive list, but it's just some ways that we're looking at responding. We spoke about facilitating the presence of God. So we're starting up time in God's presence again. The first one is next Sunday at Amy Road, 6 to 8, just a time if you want to come, worship, and ask God to fill you with his Holy Spirit. Time in God's presence. We'll have that once a term. We want ministry time each Sunday. We want our prophetic team to be up and running, fully operational. We're thinking about Holy Spirit weekend days, etc., etc. We want to be good at facilitating the presence of God. Because unless God comes, it's pretty boring. When God comes, it's like heaven on earth. But there is no middle ground. Oh, how we love safety. <laughs> Preaching the kingdom. You spoke about you need to preach the kingdom. So we're going to have series on that through 2020. Find some decent books about it. Probably the theme of Otford Manor next year. He spoke about take new ground. And we had lots of other prophetic words about planting out. And so we are going to look at doing something in Caterham starting from 2020. We don't quite know what. We're not saying we're going to start January the 1st with something public, but we feel we've got to begin to do something, and we feel it's Caterham. We don't quite know exactly what it is. We think it's, it's not to plant a separate church, but it is to have a venue there, to have a site there, a congregation there. We're not even quite sure what to call it, but we want a Sunday morning where if you want to know Jesus in Caterham, there's a place you can come on Sunday morning, and it's on your doorstep. And, uh, and so we wanted to have some life groups, people that recognize, no, no, this is where I go on a Sunday, but I'm still part of King's Church as the whole. Somehow that's what we kind of feel it needs to look like, but we haven't got the plan, we haven't got everything worked out, but we feel we've got to pray, we've got to begin, we've got to start somehow, somewhere, etc., etc. Talk about that more a little bit later. Talk about do things differently. So we want next year to look at some different relational outreach events. We want to look at what we're doing, why we're doing it. There may be some other things. The key thing about do things different, it could be anything, couldn't it? Do different things, could be anything. Could be stand in a bucket of custard on one leg. I doubt it will be, but we don't know what do different things look like. But we're going to be open if God says, do this. You haven't done it before, it's a bit different. Spoke there about the leadership team having a heart and a hunger for more of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit, gifts of the Spirit. So on Tuesday night, our leaders meeting, we just had time to worship, invite God to come. We're thinking about putting on some training days for gifts of the Spirit, etc., etc. Spoke there about apostolic advice and input for other churches. I do some of that. Kevin does a bit of that through new ground. We don't know what else that might look like. We've read the prophetic words. We need to see what doors God will open. Spoke about new partnerships. Interestingly, if we do something in Caterham, which we will, we need to be in relationship with the Caterham churches, which actually we've been building a relationship with them for the last six, seven, eight years. IJM, 
We weren't looking for another ministry to support, but God brought kind of IJM on our radar. Now Paul and Claudine are picking that up. Perhaps that's a new partnership. And then elders, it spoke about transitioning. So we're making some changes within the team of responsibility, freeing up Quincy from being hands-on with youth is part of that. We want to fill that release. We want to go forwards with heaven's perspective. Just to say something about that, no longer focus pastorally, time for the apostles and prophets. I don't think that means we stop pastoring. don't think that means we stop caring for people. But I think it does mean this. We must learn as a church how to care for people on the move. We must be a people on the move, and we must care for people on the move. We've got to be like an army that has a field hospital that's in the battle and on the move, and that's how we care for people. We can't just kind of stop when somebody is not well or send them back to a convalescing home back in England when the battle rages over there. We just can't do that. Otherwise, we just all stop and, and go nowhere, which is, of course, the great danger of church. We just settle where we are, focus on ourselves. Lord Jesus, it's all about me. It's not. It's not. We must learn to be a people that care as we go, care on mission. And the apostolic and the prophetic, what it does is it gives us a poke forward. It gives us a glorified kick. That's what it says. Come on, move on. There's people outside the walls of the church that don't know Jesus. That's what I think it means. C.S. Lewis spoke about the battle between sovereign self and sovereign God. That we want everything to revolve around us, our comfort, our peace, our joy. God, give me you know, everything that I should have in my life. There's a battle on, and it's part of that. We want to we wanna care for one another, but we need to do it as we advance. That following line, I find this line intriguing. As you build a net, I will fill it. Bigger the net, the bigger the catch. That's all it says. I don't know what that looks like. I put in your notes there, in my heart... I think it looks something like that we might as a church, King's Church, one day have a venue or a site or a congregation, whatever you want to call it, in Oxted, and we want one somewhere in Caterham, and we want some over there up the hill in Waldingham, Tatsfield, and we want one somewhere down there in Godston, South Godston kind of area, Lingfield. We want one somewhere, maybe Edenbridge, Westerham. I know it's not in Tandridge, but that's where we want one. Maybe one over the other side, Smallfield, you know, Bletchingly kind of thing. To me, if I'm going to build a net, then we want to have four, five, six different sites all together as one church. To me, that makes a net that God maybe could bring some people into. So it's not that God said that, but that is the cry of my heart. That's how I am going to take it. That's what I am praying for. Who knows? Who knows what God may do? Which is why we're going to start something in Caterham in 2020. Don't know what it will be. Don't know how it will start. But we want something established there. And when we want something established something established and something established. God, will you do something? If you said, build the net, and the bigger the net, the bigger the catch, we want to build a big net. And I know there's loads of reasons why well, you haven't got the people, you haven't got the money, you haven't got the plan, you haven't got much. No, I haven't got much, but we've got God. <laughs> we haven't got much. We've only got God. Oh, oh no. Oh, well, we better not do it then. So I wanted to share these words with you. We wanted to really share why we're putting certain things in the diary, why we're trying to do certain things. We don't have all the answers, but we believe we've got God. What we do need is faith. 
But you see, faith is about believing that God can do what he says through his people. And so if you struggle with faith, if you struggle to believe that God could do something like this, I only have one place to direct you. The Bible. Because <laughs> in the Bible, what you see time and time again is God doing things that only God can do through an incredibly weak and feeble people. That's what you see in the Bible time and time again. Sometimes God even says to them, I'm going to make you weaker. There's a big army. Cut it down. Cut it down. Cut it down. Cut it down. I want you to know I'm God. You only need me. All you need to do is trust me. Will you trust me? Time and time again. So if you struggle for faith, I tell you, the only place you'll get it is in the Bible. Read the Bible. Read the stories and understand. Oh, oh, these weren't supermen and women. These were men and women weak like me who put their trust in an almighty God and God did amazing things through them. The gospel is not a crutch for the weak. It's a machete for the adventurous. It's time to take some adventures. It's time to stop seeing the gospel as anything. It's a machete. We've got to go forward with it. Hey, listen, if God can save you, he can save anyone. <laughs> we just got to get over ourselves. If God can save me, he can save anyone. Surely. There we go. God's mission. I know there's a lot there. We wrote it down. You can have a look. Oh, my goodness. A couple more minutes. I'll end with this in God's power. John 13, 34 to 35. A new command I give you, said Jesus, love one another as I've loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know you're my disciples if you love one another. This is a song that I remember when I first got saved. Some on the kind of uh, cliff up in West Runton, up in Norfolk, uh, tent and a slightly older person banging out old songs on a piano. That's what they were doing. And they, they had a song, and it was this put to a song, and it just killed me. I love what Jesus says here because it connects these two things. It connects church family and church mission. Because Jesus says, love one another, right, because you're family, and by this everyone will know that you're mine, mission. He brings it together. This is how we do it. See, we need God's power. We don't have the power, the ability, the grace, the enabling, the patience, the love, the compassion to love each other as we should love each other, bearing in mind all that he's done for us. Do we? I mean, we just don't. I need the Holy Spirit to love you. You need the Holy Spirit to love me. That is the reality. To be God's family in the way God wants us to be we need the power of God. We need the Holy Spirit. So the truth is, if we don't have the power to even be God's family as God would want us to be, we don't have a chance of doing God's mission in our own strength. If we can't do the one, we're never going to be able to do the other. I was listening to a song this morning when we were down at Amy Road. It was a real oldie one. And it... It ends with a line that says, Thank you, O oh my Father, for giving us your Son and leaving your Spirit till the work on earth is done. I suddenly realized, Yeah, God, you sent your Spirit to do this. 
Your spirit is going to achieve all that you want done on earth. People like you and me will come and we'll go and we'll put our hand to the till and then we'll go to heaven. But the Holy Spirit will stay and remain and do everything that God wants to see done. It's the Holy Spirit that we need. It's the Holy Spirit's power that we need. We can't do anything without the power of God. Because if it's us doing it, we get the glory. If we do it in our own strength, we get the glory. But anything done in the power of God by his spirit means that God gets the glory. And guess who should get all the glory? He should get all the glory. We're not to be supermen and women. We're to be saved by the superman Jesus, <laughs> the super God Jesus. He is the hero of the story. When we stand in heaven, it won't be about us. It will be about him and what he did. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I just want us to respond now in a couple of ways. The first one that I want to do is this. God spoke about this church having a healing anointing. And I, the only way I know how to go after a healing anointing is to lay hands on the sick and pray that God would heal them. Now, I know that's complicated, but that's the kind of depth of my Christianity. So if you are sick right now, I just want to encourage you to stand up where you are. Now, everybody else, have a look around you at those who are standing and go and, if they don't mind, lay your hands. There are definitely some sick people over here, definitely. Uh, lay your hands on them. If you would like to pray for, for someone to be healed this morning, just go lay your hands on them. Don't pray for them yet, though. Just, just lay your hands on them. <laughs> 